and welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Today's lesson will be on the prophet Jeremiah, but first I want to recap just a little bit about last week's lesson, which was on Isaiah. If you remember, well, here's a good way to get to the book of Isaiah. If you open the Bible, just split it almost right in the middle, you'll probably fall into the book of Isaiah. It's about halfway through the Bible as a whole. Um, it the book of Isaiah is a culmination of Isaiah's writings that covered not only what was about to happen to Israel, but also prophecies of what was going to happen. Some of the prophecies 200 years ahead uh, for uh, foreshadowing um, future destruction of Israel and then eventually um, the Christ who would come and redeem his people. So Isaiah had, was a very... Um, instrumental prophet in um, proving that Jesus was the Christ. Okay, some of the things I would like you to remember about Isaiah, remember that he was called by God in a very special way, and he had that experience within sort of the vision of the angel coming and um, touching his lips with hot coal. We're going to see something very similar to that today with uh, Jeremiah. And finally, I want to remind you about Isaiah, that while he was prophesying to the southern kingdom, to Judah, and the northern kingdom was going through its great strife, uh, the prophets Micah and Hosea are also prophesying. Um, Micah is just a tiny little small book in the Old Testament, and we'll cover a little recap of all of the minor prophets next in our next podcast. But I, I just want to give you a time frame. Hosea, the prophet Hosea, is prophesying in the northern kingdom. And something to remember about Hosea, that book of the Bible, which is also right in with the other minor prophets, uh, talks a lot about Hosea being a prophet who's asked to marry a prostitute and God uses all these the symbolism in Hosea's life to um, explain to the people what he's trying to get across to them. It never fails to amaze me the things that God does to try and get his message across to us and with Jeremiah very similarly with Jeremiah God asks him to do some very strange things he asks him to buy a linen belt and then to take the belt and hide it in a cave kind of dig a little hole and put it in there and then come back and get it several days when it's all ruined and he uses that as an example to I uh, the people of Israel you were once brand new and now you're all all, you know, torn and faded and ruined and good for nothing. And we'll see this over and over again with Jeremiah as he's trying to do what God calls him to do. And God just gives him these really weird requests, these just strange things. So at the very beginning, turn to Jeremiah 1. And we are going to just read that first chapter because it sets the stage for what Jeremiah's um, ministry will be like. Okay, uh, Jeremiah 1, 1, the word of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anath in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of jo Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah. These are the final kings of Israel, actually of the southern kingdom of Judah, because the northern kingdom has already been taken over. 
several of the minor prophets in at the end of the Old Testament were ones that preached and prophesied in the northern kingdom and we will recap a lot of that next week or at the next podcast but for this uh, podcast we are just going to take it from King Josiah on to the end of, of the destruction of, of Judah. So far we know that Assyria had come down and taken over the northern kingdom during the time of Ahaz which if you recall, was one of the kings that Isaiah had preached to. Uh, the northern kingdom had was having such difficulties with Assyria that they eventually kind of make this treaty with Assyria. And then the northern kingdom of Assyria kind of team up to kind of start attacking uh, the southern kingdom. And then the northern kingdom is more or less betrayed. Uh, the final king of the north, who is named Hosea, um, he makes an alliance with Assyria and then he um, decides instead, no, maybe I should make an alliance with Egypt instead. So he kind of betrays Assyria and that makes Assyria mad. And so they have this um, war and Assyria wins. And basically they take over all of the northern kingdom. They can't quite get into the southern kingdom. And it's at this time that Hezekiah is listening to Isaiah and he just barely survives not getting taken over by Assyria. And God uh, protects the southern kingdom for a little while longer. Um, I'm sure that it's going to be easy to get confused because there is a book in the Bible called the book of Hosea. Remember, we, I just mentioned the King Hosea, but there is a, a prophet Hosea who preached during, previous to this, during a little one of the earlier uh, king, king's reigns in the northern kingdom. And we will cover that, as I mentioned, next week when we talk about the minor prophets. But for today, let's go back and look at the very first part of uh, Jeremiah again. And we left off with verse 3. Okay, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. All sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to, to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The Hebrew word for almond sounds like the Hebrew word for watching, so that's why it's translated that way. But really what he's saying is, I am I am watching my people. And then he says right after, what do you see? And, and Jeremiah says, well, I see a boiling pot tipping away from the north. The Lord said, from the north disaster will be poured out on all who live in this land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towers of Judah. I will pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshiping what their hands have made. Okay, so we see from the very beginning that Jeremiah is not going to have a very pleasant message. 
In fact, his message is really one through almost all of his book of watch out, repent, God is coming, and he is going to destroy Jerusalem and all of Judah. And the people do not want to hear this. At first, they just kind of ignore him. They're intrigued by what he's doing because he does these strange things like, um, let's see if we can find one of his little... um, outward demonstrations we might call them props for a play kind of an object lesson look in chapter 19 it says this is what the Lord says go and buy a clay jar from a potter take along some of the elders of the people and of the priest and go out to the valley of Ben Hinnom near the entrance of the potsherd gate Uh, There proclaim the words I tell you and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O King of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I am going to bring a disaster on this place and will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. For they have forsaken me and made this place uh, of foreign gods. They have burned sacrifices uh, in it to gods that neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah ever knew. And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as offerings to Baal, something I did not command or mention, nor did it enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call this place Torpeth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. In this place I will ruin the plans of Judah and Jerusalem. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies." Uh, down in verse 10 he says then break the jar while those who go with you are watching and say to them this is what the Lord Almighty says I will smash this nation and this city just as the potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired okay so we see that his messages are very tough and to preach and prophesy against Judah was a big deal in fact one of the uh, former prophets that had prophesied against Uh, Jerusalem and uh, Judah being destroyed had been put to death and so he was being very bold in just following what God told him to say and as a result he made a lot of people mad now when he was preaching during the time of Josiah Josiah listened to him he was the young boy that that became king king at age eight and then um, really did a lot of reforms in the uh, during the time of his kingship the mistake he made was that Jeremiah had prophesied against uh, fighting uh, against Babylon. So Josiah didn't really listen to him. And in the process, when they're in this battle, Josiah is killed. And so they have this weak alliance with Egypt now. And But Egypt decides to take advantage of the situation. And so even though Josiah's son takes over for just, just three months, Egypt comes in and displaces him with Josiah's um with uh, Josiah's other son, Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim is king for about 11 years. He really is just a puppet of Egypt at the time. Now, Jehoiakim did not like Jeremiah at all. In fact, he tries to have him killed. Um, He just really does not like anything he says. And in a way, you can't really blame him because he's preaching against Jerusalem and Judea, Judah, saying that we're all just going to suffer and if we don't repent. And Jehoiakim has no intention of repenting, and neither do the people. They think, well, hey, we're protected now. Even though our king is just a puppet king of Egypt, we're, we're okay. 
what Jeremiah says is, oh no, Babylon's going to come and conquer you and you won't even have to worry about it. Now, one of the challenges we have with the book of Jeremiah is that it is broken up all over the place. It's at the time Jeremiah preached, they kept, um, I guess you would say they recorded the preaching or what God has, was saying, the prophecies on scrolls. And so sadly, the little bits and pieces of Jeremiah are mixed up. What uh, we find at one point he's preaching to um, Jehoiakim, and then the next minute he's preaching to Zedekiah, which is the last king, several kings after Jehoiakim. So, uh, and then it switches back to the first one. So I'm not sure if he's actually referring back to something that happened previously, and then he gets right back to where he was with the latest king, Zedekiah, or if he wrote all of it later on, reminding them what he had said and what had happened, and he just recorded it as he remembered it. So whatever the situation is, it's very difficult to read it, just sit down and read it through. You really almost have to study it and figure out, okay, which passages are refer referring to which period of time and under which king. Um, it's not critical, but it'll help your understanding of the dynamics of what's going on with the kings. He is preaching a consistent message throughout. At one point um, in chapter 25, he clearly spells out that they will be captive for 25, or for, I'm sorry, 70, 70 years in a foreign land in Babylon. And so this has not happened yet, and yet it is exactly fulfilled as Jeremiah prophesies. They are taken over by Babylon, and they are carried away in exile for 70 years. So even the apparent, um, I guess, control of the country by Babylon is uh, eventually uh, just, deci uh, Babylon decides, you know what, we've had enough of these people and we're just going to destroy them entirely. So they destroy the walls of Israel, they burn the temple, they carry off all of the things, nice things that are in the um, treasury and that have been compiled throughout the years from Solomon all the way up. Uh, until this date and so the southern kingdom then at this point ceases to exist because they have been carried off into exile. It is during the reign of the last king Zedekiah that Jeremiah warns him against going up against Babylon but he doesn't listen and so when Babylon uh, takes over they are just kind of mad about the situation instead of being somewhat, you know, take over and let them know that we have the control and we'll just, you know, assess taxes and let them run them, rule themselves. They just, Babylon decides, no way, we're destroying this, this entire city and taking these people away from here. So, and all of this is in fulfillment of God's prophecies through Jeremiah to the people for being... Uh, so disobedient to his laws and so unrepentant and unwilling to make God their only God. Uh, we see with Jeremiah that he is allowed to preach at some points and at other points he is basically um, locked up in prison. At, uh, he has a, a scribe that writes quite a bit of the things he says. And so the fact that everything is kind of broken up in the book is probably because you know he's not always in the same place and doesn't always have the original scroll so it's written on something else and what have you.
during this time as well there are false prophets that are preaching the exact opposite of what Jeremiah is saying and so the kings tend to like to believe the ones who say the favorable things oh no we're not going to be carried off to Babylon we're going to be just fine and instead uh, they Jeremiah just says no that's you know trust me on this he says in um, chapter 36 it shows the story of how Jeremiah has preached and all his words have been written down and then Jehoiakim at the time who's at the king at the time has the scroll uh, basically cut up and burned and so Jeremiah rewrites all of this uh, it, which may very well be the book that we're actually reading at this time uh, Neb Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon at the time and he comes in and takes over all of Jerusalem we're gonna learn a lot more about him next week when we cover the book of Daniel uh, in fact it's when ne Nebuchadnezzar comes in and takes over Jerusalem the ones he carries away are the nobility, the um, priests, the upper crust of what's of the people of Jerusalem. He leaves behind the people that are kind of living out in the fields or farmers or what have you. So there's a remnant. It calls it. Uh, God refers it to it as the remnant left in the land that will. Um, just as a tree is cut down, if you leave the stump, the stump will grow new shoots and the tree will regrow. And so that's the promise that God will regrow Jerusalem and uh, build up his people again. So through this time that Jeremiah is preaching, he watches this take place and he also is carried away into exile. And continues to preach while he's in exile he sends letters to the exiles and is just very um, encouraging that God will bring them back so even though his original prophecies are doom and gloom and are held to be true he is faithful in saying that God will bring us back and that we will once again be uh, a people of, of God which is what their whole purpose was to begin with to show the rest of the, the nations that they were God's people but you know they weren't really acting like God's people so God wasn't going to let them shame his name anymore Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations which is also I think it follows right after Jer the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations is like the word lament it's the book of crying and he is crying all through it he is so torn by what's going to happen to his people and this the terrible state that they're in as far as just not wanting anything to do with God that he literally writes this uh, poems in in the book of Lamentations in tears uh, weeping for the people and just the same way that Jesus wept over the Jerusalem and wanted them to return Jeremiah had that same heart and yet the people are refusing to listen to him and there they had their last chance and so the time of judgment comes there are a few key verses in Jeremiah that I really love and want to encourage you to spend some time taking a look at even if you don't uh, go ahead and read the entire chap or the entire book of Jeremiah. Uh, chapter 3 verses 6 through 10 talks about uh, during the reign of King Josiah the Lord said to me have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and every under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought 
that after she had done all this she would return to me but she did not and her unfaithful sister judah saw it i gave faithless israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries yet i saw with her unfaithful sister judah uh, i saw that her unfaithful sister judah had no fear she also went out and committed adultery because israel's immorality mattered so little to her she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. So what we see is that it's at this point that God is saying, even though I had Israel destroyed, I thought that Judah might come around, but she has not, and therefore she will suffer the same fate. Um, Jeremiah 23, if you will turn to that passage, um, beginning in verse 3, uh, we once again see the, um, the promise of um, what God will do when all this is over. It says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be faithful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Back in chapter 29, we see one of Jeremiah's letters to the exiles and in it he says down in verse 11 it's a popular verse you've probably heard it it says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart I will be found by you declares the Lord and will bring you back from captivity I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So it's a very sweet promise. And yet while they're in exile, Jeremiah tells them, go ahead and, and buy fields and, and plant uh, Mary and, and give in marriage and Consider that you're going to be here for a little while. Now we know that they're only there 70 years, but for that's more than a lifetime. So for the families that are there, he says, you know, you're in this place. Um, I believe God's going to bring us back, and, and that's what God has said. But in the meantime, here's where we're put, and let's make a difference where we are, more or less. So that is a great lesson on when you feel like you're kind of stuck in a pos position or in a situation. And you know that God probably is uh, has a promise to you to get out of this. But in the meantime, things just keep happening that keep you from being able to move forward. It may be that it's time to just rest and wait and see what God's up to and make the best of the situation you're in. You know, the whole thing where, you know, bloom where you're planted. And it may be time to bloom where you're planted. Uh, until the time that God actually brings about what he's promised. Okay, so that pretty much finishes up Jeremiah. I know it's not a very long lesson. Next week I'm going to cover the a little, just a short little podcast about the different prophets, the minor prophets, and then we will um, get into the time of the exile and talk about Daniel and Ezekiel and the promise of, of when, while they're in exile, of what God is doing in them and through them and how they turn to God and once again seek God out. Um, 
we'll get into the Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah, the book, those books of the Bible that we skipped over earlier because I told you they take place during the time of the exile. So we'll go back and pick those up. And the book of Esther, which is the last book that we will cover of the Old Testament. Uh, it is a very sweet study of what God has done in the heart of uh, his people and providing for them uh, because we see that Esther just being a simple slave girl more or less uh, God exalts and she becomes the queen of the uh, Babylon so we will see actually it's not Babylon at that time because Babylon is eventually taken over by the Medes and the Persians so she becomes a, a queen of Persia and so we'll be able to see a little bit more about the prophecies that's taking place during that time and leading up to the time of Christ so I hope that you had a chance to read as much as possible. Keep on. I want to encourage you, if you have the student workbook, you might want to go back and look on page, I think it's on page, um, where is it, 46 maybe? Yes, it is. That has the lineup of the kings and the prophets that, that were um, prophesying during the time of each of those kings. And also, um, if you have the student Bible, there is a lineup of the kings in the back of, of the student Bible that's very helpful and will help you put each king kind of where they're in place. Now, I realize for the most part, you won't really need to know or remember the different kings, but it's sort of a historical marker so that when you read different passages in Scripture, you can kind of remember what was going on with Israel at the time and what what that related to, what that passage was referring to. One of the dangers that we have because the Bible is so lengthy and involved and has so much in it that it's very easy for people to pick out certain scriptures as we have mentioned before and apply them wrongly and so that's why it's important to have at least been through all of scripture kind of know, wait a minute, that sounds like something that's you know if it's if they say it's from the book of Isaiah then you will know okay that's happening at about the time Israel is falling apart and perhaps be able to go back pretty easily to that book and pick up with what's going on there so that's my goal in basic bible is so that you will be able to fit these different pieces to, of the scripture together as a whole and be able to see it and then be able to go back and study specifics because as I said we cover things so generally here and it's basically just for you to understand them the main stories the main characters and uh, chronologically how it fits together so I want to thank you so much for spending the time to listen to basic Bible I believe God will bless you in this. I believe that he will bring enlightenment so that you will be able to truly understand his word. Um, but as I said at the beginning, all scripture is understood through the spirit. You know, we can study it historically and factually, but um, it's the spirit that truly helps us understand his word. And so I want to encourage you that if you have not, if you don't understand that part and have not had um, the opportunity to um, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and to learn um, what it means to be a child of God and then to be able to feel his um, and have his spirit um, working in you and through you so that you can understand scripture, then please uh, take the time to do that. There's plenty of places in uh, on the web that um, have all kinds of uh, very helpful information about how to become a Christian.
one of my personal favorites would be um, on billygram.org, uh, going to their site and reading up on some of that, and then perhaps talking to one of their counselors. So, um, like I said, we are covering the minor prophets next time, and until then, if you have a chance to read through some of the, even if you just read some of the beginning um, introductions to the various books of the minor prophets, the books are not very long, and we will cover that next week. So until then, be blessed.